Welcome to the house of the Lord this morning. <clears throat> Welcome to those that are online. My name is um, Mona Stevens. I'm the lead pastor here at Living Hope. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for all those that are here in-house. I thank God again, as I always say, I hope you came prepared to hear God's word. I think he has something for us to lift us out of where we are and what we're struggling with. If only we understood that God had such a tremendous plan for us, many of the things that happen to us on a daily basis would not define us. They would be like a water off a duck's back, understanding there's a greater purpose for what we're going through. But sometimes we're so stuck in our, the life situation that we forget to see how God is orchestrating something in the midst of it. I want to open up in prayer this morning. It was a hard go in worship this morning. I don't know what's going on in heavenlies, but all I know is that God has come and he is going to do what he does best. He illuminates. He inspires. He does what he does because he loves us. But the word of God is central to him because that's his authority. And so when it's spoken, you can't understand there would be warfare going on. So some of us that came and not understanding that we had to fight before we got here, maybe the next time you come next week is that you'll get yourself ready before coming because there is a warfare for our souls. The enemy doesn't like us and he doesn't want us to hear God's word. So please, if you are experiencing discouragement, oppression, confusion, or just that fogginess that's going on, you shake it off in the name of Jesus, because I believe God has something for you. Let's open up in prayer today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are great and awesome. We thank you, God, that we were able to come to celebrate your goodness, your character, and your nature. You are awesome, God, and you are the great I am. You are the bright morning star. God, where would I be without you this day? And I'm asking this day, God, that you would just ask, uh, fill me with your presence, that you give me the grace that I need and empower me to deliver this message that you've given me. But not just that. I'm asking that you would do the same for those that are hearing it, those online and those that are here. God, I praise you and I worship you. I give you all glory and all honor because you are great. Oh God, have your perfect way this day. In Jesus' name, I pray. This is a series called Know Your Purpose. This is part two today. And we had questions. We always have questions in regards to what's our purpose? What are we being called to? What is God's big plan? So this is what we usually ask. God, what is God's will for our life? How can we be sure that we're following his path? Many of God's children walk in a pattern of anxiety and stress because they don't really understand what God has done. And does it actually, the word of God really gives us a clear picture of where he's bringing us his path. You know, he gives us clear parameters to walk so that we can stay safe and stay protected. Uh, you know, we hear so much about uh, God's great purpose in our lives, but what exactly does that mean? Have you asked yourself that? What does it mean? Does the Lord really care about the course we take? Is his path really better than the one that we want to figure out for ourselves? And if so, how do we discover what he desires regarding the decisions and challenges we face every day? There's nobody here that doesn't, doesn't uh, face challenges. 
We also know that the road ahead of us, as we see what's going on in, in our, uh, you know, just in the nation, it looks like it's going to be very confusing and very dark and very troubling and distressing. And so God needs us to understand that it's not about us. It's about his big story. Tony Evans says this, when you realize God's purposes for your life isn't just about you, I hope I said yours, but you, uh, your life, when you realize that, he will use you in a mighty way. Now, there's a connection there. When we get out of our story and we make it about God's story and establishing his kingdom and reaching people for, that have no hope for Jesus, we, get, we start getting used mightily for God. So what's your unique purpose in God's big picture? Now, according to the word of God, the work, of, it is this, it's the work that, of fulfilling your purpose is about expressing the reality of Jesus on earth. It is also, uh, it's just not about just getting more of God, because I can give you a lot of knowledge today, and it can't be just about knowledge. It's really about allowing God getting more of you. Because when we don't let God have more of us, then we are going to continue to make it about what? Our story. What we're going through. And when you do, you know, when we let God be God and we actually ask him, God, let me fulfill your plan for me. What happens is we experience God's potential in our lives. See, last week we talked about why we are often stuck in our own story. Sometimes we are consumed by our circumstances. Would I be right about that? We're consumed about what we're going through, our valleys, our, you know, our, the bumpy roads we're going through. We are also experiencing a lot of pain. Some people here have a lot of pain, a lot of wounds, a lot of discouragement. You also know that some of you have experienced tremendous disappointment that led you down a path of bitterness. And yet when we do that, we forget about God and his big plan for us. We forget about why God has pulled us out of darkness and why we exist. We talked about last week that your purpose in God's story is to let Jesus live his life in you and through you. But how do we embark upon the journey of letting Jesus live through us? I told you last week I would tell you briefly three things that you need to remember. And these are all part of God's will, his established, his clear, revealed will, which is the word of God. So how do we embark letting Jesus work in us and through us? Three ways we build that. We live a life, uh, a, a Jesus lifestyle. Now, God calls us to live out our faith in Christ with such consistency and integrity that it, it should impact our relationships, the monies, the finances in our life, our time, our speech, and even our secret motives in our thoughts. You see, God has revealed himself to us, and he says, live out your life with integrity. The second thing he says in the word of God is that we have to live in community. If we want God, Jesus to live in us and through us, he will not do that without the cocoon of the church. I'm sorry, that's part of God's will. If he didn't think it was necessary, he would have never brought up the subject of body. He would have never you know, brought up the subject in Corinthians that all of us have a place and one is a toe and the other one is a, a finger and the other one is an arm. He would have never brought that up, but he did, beloved. So we need to learn 
learn to live in community. Now, the cocoon God has provided for us is perfect. It's an imperfect, perfect environment so that we can supernaturally grow and transform. You know, we see this in Ephesians 4, 4 to 6. But I'm going to say, I'm going to give you that in a few minutes because I want to go on to the third one first. We need to adopt a greater awareness, a bigger picture awareness. Our personal transformation is bigger than any of us could possibly imagine, bigger than our families, bigger than what we are living right now. That's the bigger picture. As we live out our unique purpose by letting Jesus live in us and through us, our personal transformation will affect other people. And it will affect the body of Christ where we will stay unified together for one purpose, under one God and with one spirit. Ephesians 4 says this, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We are part of something infinitely bigger than our own lives. Sometimes we just misplace that thought, don't we? So those three things help us understand how do we bring Jesus in to work in our life and through our life. But through the years, what I have seen, I've met countless of people here and everywhere else that I've had the privilege to go and speak to. I've seen countless of people who are living what I called the settled for life, the settled for less life. Somewhere along their journey, they became complacent and content in their circumstances. They settled for what they believed was adequate and satisfactory instead of exerting any effort or work in their spiritual maturity or in their way to walk with others, what was necessary to living a life that's truly excellent and outstanding. God didn't call us to stay ordinary. He called us to be extraordinary. And yet, because we don't have the bigger picture, because we're always stuck in our picture, we actually make it about the here and now. We make it about what we're going through. I remember, uh, you know, in my middle school, I, I'm going I'm to date myself now, but when we had our report cards, we had three marks. We had uh, O, S, and U. Do you remember? Outstanding, satisfactory, and unsatisfactory. Uh, you remember we used to actually line up in the uh, library and uh, the nuns had the report cards and they'd say, okay, and then they'd call out the name and we'd go in, get our report card and we'd run to a corner, open it up to see what we had. Now, because of the message I received since I was a little girl, I never thought I would measure up to a whole lot of things because, you know, I came from a very low income. The things that were happening in my life, people were saying, ah, she'll never amount to anything. She'll never rise above what she was going through. The was really clear, not only in the community that I live, not only in my family, but also in school. So when I looked at my report card, I was just looking to see if I had any S's. I wasn't even wondering if I would ever get outstanding. I was content just to see the S. And isn't that like what we do in life? It is the same. It's true for most of us. If a person becomes content with what is average, minimally acceptable, and satisfactory, they will rarely exert the effort or the work towards something that is truly excellent and outstanding. 
In the vast majority of cases, the longer a person remains satisfied with the string of S's, satisfactory, marks mark in their life, the more they become complacent about life. You see, for years, I didn't think I could ever be outstanding, so I settled for S, satisfactory. And a lot of us, we have the same messages. Going through the motion, and most of the time, this is what it does. When we're complacent, we just go through the motion. Go through the motion as a mother. Go through the motion as a father. Go through the motion as a husband. And we go through the motion as a child of God, never realizing that God has called us to the outstanding. And so what happens is we only go to the normal. Eventually, the person who has settled for less life may actually feel threatened by challenges they achieve. So sometimes when they hear the challenge from this pulpit, they will think we just don't understand what they're going through. They will get the challenge. They will actually, they will feel that you're wanting to push them out of their little present little cocoon reality and that they, that we have no patience or grace for them. But in reality, when God comes in with his word, there will always be a challenge, won't it? God will never keep you where you are because he's always moving you forward to what? His greater purpose. Ultimately, these people who will settle for satisfactory, they, they turn their back on their future and refuse to hope for more or seek more or pursue more. What they eventually do is they get stuck in their story. Stuck being defined by the pain, defined by their past, defined by the confusion of today, their circumstances. And I realize that God is asking us to move beyond what we've always settled for. You see, I want the easy road. Isn't that what we do? If I don't have to move out of my comfort zone, that will be good. What do you think you're doing? You're settling for less. When you think, oh, well, that's going to be way too inconvenient. Yesterday, my husband says at 45 to 1, I think I want to do a trunk. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I love my husband. Because I knew he had the bright idea, but I was going to put the hands to that bright idea. And I was pretty busy, so while he went to go and get something, I rushed to the, the church, the parking lot, and I started doing our, our trunk, which everybody else had the whole last three weeks to figure it out, okay? So it was really God thing. So I went, okay, we'll do this together. But you see, sometimes, you know, when we settle for last, I would, not, I would have not seen that opportunity. I would have not seen that opportunity to serve my husband nor serve the community that came. And we had a whole lot of people that come. I was so excited to be part of it. And that's what happens when we settle for less. We don't get off the sidelines. We don't go and play because it's just very safe on the sidelines. The truth is, it's easy to find ourselves settled and complacent in life. And there are many reasons why we feel stuck right now where we are, why we feel discouraged and adrift. And we forfeit the hope that comes with Christ and the sense of purpose and peace. I said last week that we have a risk aversion. That means when there's a risk involved, fear comes up and shuts us down. Am I speaking to anybody? Fear of failing, fear, fear of rejecting, fear of actually being abandoned or not, fear of uncertainty. 
We have the issue of pride, which pride is self-emphasis. So if we are people who are struggling with pride, where are we going to be remaining in the story? Are we going to be going in God's story or our story? Pretty much always our story. We talked about rebellion last week. But in my opinion, the reasons we get stuck in our story is because many people have lost sight of who God made them to be and what he designed them to be. And as a result, countless of people are not actively, intentionally, purposefully pursuing what the Father has planned for them. You come to church, you leave. You come to church, you leave. And you think that that's the grand purpose. Oh, there is so much more. There is so much more. If you truly want to pursue your purpose and reach your potential in life, then you must face up to these two truths. One, God has placed more within you than you realize. We underestimate the work of the cross and the resurrection. We underestimate what he had to do in order to give us what we need to walk in freedom. Number two, you likely have settled for the life you're living now. You're the one that's settled. And so God now is going to move us off of perch, and he's going to ask us to remember what he has done. You must remember that your heavenly father sees you through the eyes of love and forgiveness. Ephesians 2, 4, 6 says this, but because of his great love for us, God who is what rich and mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with God, seat, uh, with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ. You see, I'm no longer in Mona. I'm in Jesus now. And because I'm in Jesus, that brings me into that other big plan and will and purposes of God. Because I am in his kingdom, God has for me something much greater than just existing and just surviving. He sees where you are today, but he also sees the person you were made to be. God sees all the awesome potential and possibility he's created you to fulfill. I love Psalm 139, and because of time, I can't go through all that, so I'm just going to pull some principles from verse 13 and 16. He says, you are uh, fearfully and wonderfully made. This, I have to tell you, doesn't mean that you are going to become beautiful or handsome. That it doesn't mean that. But sometimes you go, whoa, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, I'm going to get beautiful someday. Uh, no, no, no. There's a greater reason for that. Rather, it means that he desires to engage in the process of transforming you from the inside out so that you are continually being a model into the most God-loving, Christ-honoring, spirit-yielded person you could ever be. This is part of the greatest purpose in our life. It also means that he is working all situations and circumstances. You're in circumstances right now in situations that probably are not pleasant. But he says, I'm going to bring them to good so that when he does what he does, he's going to equip you and enable you and accomplish and complete all the things that need to be completed so you can walk out that journey. 
You see, God, the other principle is God knows everything about you. You see, most of us, we feel we don't belong. Most of us feel that, that no one understands what we're going through. No, God knows everything about you. Even before you were conceived in your mother's room, God saw you as a whole, unique person. You see, there's no replica. I'm unique and you're unique. I love that. I, I'm not a photocopy of anyone. I was never meant to be a photocopy of somebody else. So for you to use me as an example, that's good. But you were never meant to be a copy of me. You were meant to be that person God had called you, a unique one. He made you one of a kind and from your, and from your beginning, he saw your ending. The Lord has always known what you could be and do because he is the one who created you. So why do we listen to the accusations of the enemy when he says you will never amount to anything, you will never belong because of what we've gone through as kids. I remember when God had started showing me this evidence that he had a plan for my life, that I did not have to be actually running for the things that I felt that I needed to prove to people. God said, no, I've already accepted you. I have chosen you for something so specific. I had to believe it, not because I felt it, but because he said so. God is also the author and finisher of your days. Your purpose on this earth is to develop your God-given gifts talents and abilities to the best of your ability so that he can impact the world around you for Jesus. You see, our gifts and our talents are not ours, beloved. And so when I hear people, I'm praying about it, I'm going, you really don't see the bigger story here. You never were called to come to this church to sit and do nothing for the kingdom. You were called to something greater. Oh, I love that you guys come on Sunday. I love that you participate. I love that you help because, you know, it takes a whole lot of people to get this service going every day. Every Sunday, we're here way before you guys are here. Why? Because we see the bigger picture. We see that our life is not our own and that whatever that God has given me as any talent or giftings, I am not to keep that to myself. I am to actually bring that out so that I can impact more people for other people. But when we have our own story, then we fail to see God's story. So we see our inadequacies. We see our insecurities. We see the fear of failing, the fear of being rejected. More than we see God saying, I have created you like this, and you have a unique purpose for my kingdom. And so we need to understand there is a greater mission, a unique mission aimed to establishing and extending his kingdom. He didn't bring you out of the kingdom of darkness to bring you in the light so that you can actually do nothing. He is our king. He is our master. So he's going to call us to use what we do well for his kingdom. If you're willing to discover and align yourself to his plan and his purposes for you, he'll bless you more than you could ever imagine. He'll open doors and opportunities you would never dream of. Here is this little girl named Mona Manon, Pierrette, Constantino, that's my name, before I was married. Here she was in a low-income environment with no hope of succeeding in life, but God had called her out. And he called her out so specifically, so uniquely, that if she was willing to believe him, he would send her all over the world. Yes. Amen. See, that's the God I'm talking about. 
But we must believe that he knows the end and he understands the finishing of your days. When we come and we walk in this place, he'll restore your joy, your peace, your hope. And if you've lost things, he will bring it back to you. He will show you the path you must go. But you must understand that God will not change his parameters for no one. Because God had a plan and it was there before the foundation. And he calls you out. And so when you stay in the parameters, God says, walk as I tell you to walk. Then I will open the doors that are necessary so you can complete your purpose. God is an amazing God. God has placed you in this time and your current location to allow you to maximize your role in establishing his will. You see, when we make it about our story, it's about our will. And we get out of the parameters and we wonder why we've lost. We wonder why we settle for less. We wonder why we become complacent and loveless. It is because of that. If you've ever wondered why you're on this earth, you need to understand that God has placed you here as a unique person with a unique mission aimed at establishing and extending his kingdom. And your potential lies securely and completely in that purpose, extending your kingdom. I spend my time encouraging all those that are working on the outside to not make it about your environment. Don't make it about the darkness and the people who don't or don't want to do well. You have a greater plan. You are asked to extend his kingdom where you are. This is an amazing privilege because when you walk this way, what he does is he channels all of his resources to you because you're lifting up his agenda. I have seen miraculous things happen. The question is, do you believe that your purpose is to establish and extend God's kingdom? You see, unbelief keeps us in our story. Bitterness keeps us in our story. Embracing the lies and the accusations of the enemy keeps us not looking beyond what we are living. Victim mentality keeps us poor is me, and you don't realize that God has given you all that you need to work for his kingdom. To move away from living your story to God's story, you need to be ready not to settle for less. What is required of that? First, in order to walk his plan and purposes, you need to be part of his kingdom first. Romans 8.29 says this, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If, if is a choice, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So if I don't belong to Christ, the plans, the purposes, and the will of God will really be a non-issue for me. God's goal is saving us, uh, in saving us was not only to rescue us from hell, but also that we would reflect his character and goodness to the world. So are you reflecting, beloved, his character and goodness to the world? God delights to see us become more like his son. We were created in God's image, and sin has marred that image. When God brought us back to him, 
It was to restore his image in us and to free us to become all that he created us to be. When the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, he prompts us to do things to glorify God. Our desire to please God grows and more and more as our understanding grows. I want to share with you as well that it is biblically inconsistent to say that someone that has been saved has not been changed. It is impossible. According to this word, if God's spirit is within me and his purpose in, him, in me is to transform and change me so that I could extend his kingdom, it's an impossibility for me to say I'm saved and there's no change. Are you getting where I'm going with this? Many people go through the outward motions of giving their lives to Christ, but no lifestyle change follows. That is not real salvation. According to James 2, it's dead faith. When you walk into a room and you flip the switch on, you expect light to come, do you not? If no light appears, the first thing we assume is that something is wrong with the electricity. It would be logical, inconsistent, to say that the light is on the room and it's still pitch black. Mm. Light naturally dispels darkness. When a dark heart receives the light of salvation, it is illuminated. Priorities change. Desires change. Outlook changes. Life is seen clearly for the first time. If the darkness of sin continues, we can rightly assume no light came on. Our understanding of knowing our purpose will always be based on our story, our desire, and the here and now. Therefore, in order to be part of God's story, you need to be saved. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. As believers... What will it require to move away from living our story to God's story? To move away from the settled, you know, settle for less life. It's going to require living an intentional life and not just letting life happen. We wake up and we just let life happen, beloved. What is the definition of intent? I said it last week. We're going to go through this very quickly. Intent means a determination to act. You need to act in order to move yourself out of the settled life. You need to resolve. That means it's a state of being stable in purpose. If you know God has purposed you for something else, stop listening to the enemy that tells you you will never amount to anything. No, he has a purpose for you. Resoluteness means a firm determination marked by boldness and steady. You're nice and steady. You're not up and down, sideways, moving. No, you're nice and steady. Why is it important to know your purpose? Because we will walk aimlessly in our story without realizing that God called us out to something pretty amazing that he's established, his kingdom for us and around us and for other people. To live intentionally means to live on purpose, to be disciplined, and to have vision to walk towards God's desired outcome. It means that we are taking control, determining how we will live out our lives. No matter how much you struggle and you fail, get back up. Get back up. 
no matter how much time you spend in energy and, and resources, keep on doing. Without such a plan, it is easy for us, for life to get away from us. So Colossians 3.2 is an encouragement. It says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. See, victorious living requires a shift of focus. When we are living for our story, it's really all about our will, our comfort, our convenience. We need to shift our focus. We must have a heavenly mindset for earthly action. Paul is saying this here. Take a good look at heaven's perspective on every issue so you will know how to live here on earth. See, many of us, we don't take a look at God's perspective. Many of our lives lack direction because we are pursuing a purpose that is inconsistent with who God is and what he has created us, created us to be. God is saying to many of us concerning the direction of your life, you're going the wrong way. The question is, are you listening when God is directing your path down another path and another purpose? The truth is, many people are not pursuing God's purposes. They are not factoring God in their decision-making and into their goals setting. They make decisions without even considering, what is this part of God's plan for me? God not only has a plan in effect for your entire life, his plan goes to the future generations and all the way to eternity. You see, beloved, we do reap what we sow. And sometimes when we're not living out God's big story, what happens is what we have done in our life does affect the next generation and unfortunately affect the way we actually do the rest of our lives. Every person here, and I'm coming to an end, every person here impacts history in some way. For God or for the enemy, for good or for evil. What you do and say lives on in the hearts and minds of others to some degree with a definite result and a definite consequence. Every choice has a consequence. Are you willing to line up today with God's purpose and plan for your life and begin discovering what he still has for you to do? That will involve seeking. See, when I say watch, wait, and listen, I'm asking you to watch, wait, and listen while you're reading his word, while you're praying to God, while you are fellowshipping with the people of God. Because if there are one mind and one spirit and one God, that means they'll probably hear for you. They'll, they'll, they'll help you. They'll keep you accountable. We cannot do this in isolation, beloved. We were to, meant to be stronger together. But so many of us, we go out and we lose, lose that portion of the greater purpose in us. Those who wholeheartedly pursue God's will, plan, and purpose have hope, peace, and joy. They ride the waves of problems and challenges, believing that he is using every situation and circumstances to carry them further into the greater good and, the, and, and a greater ability to trust him. We develop and understand our purpose through our circumstances when we don't make it about our story. This is what he says in 2 Corinthians 4. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. 
So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Every promise over my life, I might not see that promise right now taking hold of me, but that is what God says. You walk in my parameters. You do the plan that I put before you. You push away all that settledness and that inconvenience and that complacency. You fight to hear what I have to say, and you line yourself up with this word, I will restore you. I will raise you up. You will be established in my kingdom and you will extend my kingdom in my name's sake. And when you are part of something bigger than your story, you start shrugging off those things that are happening to you on a daily basis. When you know that God has called you for something greater than what you are experiencing in your home, you get to understand when you make decisions, it's just not a small decision. It's a big decision. God is on the move. And he's asking us, his people, to walk back, to get out of the stuckness of your small story and say, God, I I am not focusing on these troubles. I'm going to focus on your purpose. You have a story for me, and I want to be part of it. We need to move beyond our troubles. We need to honestly assess where we are and say, God, I really missed it. I missed it because of my fear. I missed it because of the unforgiveness that I held on to for so long. I missed it, God, because I listened to the lies and I created unbelief towards you. I don't believe I could be used like this. I miss it because I tell you, God, I want to be used and in the next step, I'm going away from you. No, God understands. The more we experience the Lord at work in us and through us, the more we trust God and grow in our intimacy. I'm going to ask the worship to come up right now. Because I'm going to send you a challenge this morning. And this is just the beginning challenge in this series. Do you really want God's best in your finances, in your job, in your relationships, in your marriage, in your family, for your children? Or have you settled for the S? That's satisfactory. Have you settled for less? Many people live at the level of good. As a result, they miss God's best. I don't want to live for just good. I want God's best. Amen. But it will require living a life of, a t of intentionality. I plan to walk, and I hope that you will follow me. Because God is doing something. He's awakening his people. So don't make that mistake today to settle for less. Choose the fullness of the Lord's will, plan, and purpose for your life. For some here, you need to turn your life to God. You need to repent and believe. Because at salvation, the Holy Spirit moves into the repentant heart. And self is no longer the contested Lord of our lives. That's what should happen. Jesus is now the boss. That's what it means to say Jesus is Lord. We were once heading south and now we're heading north. Everything is changed. We begin to view life from God's perspective, not our own. And John Newton, who sings that song, I was once lost, but now I am found. I was blind, but now I see. But for those who are 
professors of, of being a believer today, you will probably also need to repent and make that personal commitment to lay down your plans and to return to him. See, many of us, we failed to see the bigger picture and we just made it about what we needed. We became consumers instead of extending God's kingdom. And that, I believe, those days are over. God is going to use those that are committed to him. And he is looking for them right now. God, is, and his, God has a perfect plan and a purpose for you. And when you do it, you will stay safe. And God will provide everything you need for your journey of faith. And you will produce good works until he returns. I just don't want to do good things. Anybody can do good things. But good works come because I'm God's handy maiden. He worked me out. He is my master. And when I let him do what he needs to do, I, can you go to the, the last one? For we are God's handiwork, created in Jesus Christ to do good works, which God what? What did he do? Isn't that cool? He prepared this ahead of time. But if we settled for less, beloved, we would have never walked in this. So today is a new day. As we sing this song, you feel God is really speaking to you. You come real quick and you commit yourself to God. Do what you need to do and say, God, I'm here today. Hallelujah. God, we love you, Lord. We praise your name. We worship you, God. Jesus. Psalm 91 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And he goes on in verse 14, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue. Because he loves me, I will rescue. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. When we come and we confess our need of God, we are acknowledging his name. When we are giving ourselves an honest assessment, God, I settled for less, we are acknowledging his name. When we are truthful with our situation and say, God, I need you, I acknowledge, I need you more than ever, I'm acknowledging his name. That's why we come to the altar. Say, God, I acknowledge who you are. Let me pray for you this morning as we finish off our service. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we worship you. You are great, you are good, you are merciful, and you are forgiving. God, I praise you because you have done something in the heavenlies for us today. And God, I'm asking, Lord, that we would have that intentional life, that intent to determine to act on what you have showed us, to be resolved with everything that is before us with a, a state of steadiness, God, that we will not miss a beat because we want to see your big story. God, we want to extend your kingdom. I'm asking for courage and boldness. I'm asking God for covering and just for restoration and rest for your people, God. Lord, open their eyes to see the big picture today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming. As we sing our last song, let's sing together.